episode 123 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Wayholm. You can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. All the best people do. And uh, I am here, of course, in Castle Wolfenstein with the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the lady giving me some weird looks, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes Von Nightmare. Happy half-price candy day, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and kittens. 50% off. This is uh, the happiest, saddest day of the year. Uh, We are, of course, also joined by the hardest-working man in podcasting, the man with the velvet voice. Uh, You know him from Trick or Treat Radio and uh, his, his part in Survival of the Film Freaks. Ladies and gentlemen... Movie star, SAG-AFTRA, card-carrying member, Johnny Wolfenstein. But I'm still not on, on IMDb yet. Well, you know, sometimes you've got to take that into your own hands. And no, I'm not part of, I'm not part of SAG either. Oh I'm part God. of SAD. That's, that's, that's for the Student, actors who can't get into SAG. Students Against Drunk Driving. <laughs> and I'm technically not an actor. I just it was a documentary. So, Oh, I mean. I, I thought it was going to end up on the cutting room floor, so I'm, I'm thankful I wasn't. Wow. Well. Well, I mean, you know, it's if you're 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 striving to really put your movie forward, you know, sex sells, and uh, <laughs> you know, they got to keep you in there. Well, you know, what's funny is they always say, you know, they I'm doing quotations here, uh, finger quotes. They say the camera adds, you know, x amount of pounds, right? But now when I watch that, I see like, man, the camera adds twenty pounds. That's because I lost twenty pounds since then. Oh, I was gonna so say, it's the camera's fault, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, but you look great. <laughs> Thank you. Take, Take the healthy. day off, camera. I've added the 10 pounds myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many cameras you got there? <laughs> no, a few cameras. <laughs> oh. I know every time I open open up my camera, I'm going to take a picture, and it's the front facing camera. I'm like, ah, oh, who's that? <laughs> well, it's always at the oh, most paranormal activity. <laughs> but it's always at the most awkward angle too. So I'm like, I know I don't have that many chins. Oh like, God. Oh yeah, it's it's. I don't I don't like the front facing camera. Um. So. But yeah, so today, uh, we are going to continue our talk about Universal monsters, and I know what you're thinking. It's November 1st. Halloween is over. Well, you know what? I have something that I want you to hear because it's uh, it's not for me, but this is something that uh, I hold near and dear to my heart, and this is something that I would like to share with you as I do every year on this day. Wolfie, please. Nothing is over! Nothing! You just don't turn it off! That's right. Just because it's November 1st does not mean Halloween is over, ladies and gentlemen. I was going to say, some of us keep Halloween alive 365. That's right. It's And 366, it's if it's It's more than just a holiday. It's a lifestyle. Right. You know, you think I'm going to take down my severed Jason head that's hanging in the living room? That, that, no. No, it's, it's ambiance. Right. So, no. There is no such say, thing along as with, Halloween uh, is over. Along with half-price candy day is also half-price home decor day as well. Yep. We need some new glasses, so we should go shopping. Oh, yeah, I have a, I've been having a hard time seeing. No, I don't mean those kind of glasses. We do need new glasses. So, Spicy Kristen actually turned me on to a new store that is in, not in town, but local. Um, and she got these cups that are also, like, skull imprinted, so they look like skulls. And I'm like, damn, that would be great. Like, drinking wine out of Red skull wine. 
glasses and pretending that they're the the skulls of your enemies. Well, it's funny. You were talking about, like, because we had, uh, for our wedding, we got a bottle of Crystal Head Vodka, and you were talking about using it as a decanter, and I was like, you know, we have... We we have drunk, we, the drank drunk. We we got drunk. Yeah, the vodka's <laughs> been gone for a couple of years. The, well, it's, it's not wine. It was vodka. It yeah, was really Crystal good, Head Vodka yeah, is what I yeah, said. You but said. You said the wine has been gone. Well, no, it's, it's all been gone. The wine is gone. The wine is gone. Why is the wine gone? The wine's all gone because I'm here. Um, but, but yeah, we got a zombie head decanter as a wedding present as well that we've never used. And well, mainly because like we open up a bottle of wine and then like we pour two glasses and our glasses and are large gone. enough <laughs> to fit half a bottle of wine. So there's no really real need to decant anything. Like decant, I think I decan. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like I said, we're going to be continuing our talk about Universal Monsters. We've got two more for you. Yeah. And this week, uh, we were trying to get a couple of guests on, but uh, schedule conflicts uh, prevented that. But we will have them on at another point. We've got that s- tentatively scheduled. Uh, so I'm not going to reveal it now. But we're going to be talking about uh, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, a character that I feel uh, doesn't get enough attention and enough uh, enough love from the, the the universal crowd. Because if you think about it, there's really only one of them. I mean, there's a million different versions of... Like, if you listen to our, our episode a couple weeks ago, Derek Rook made this point. There's a million different Frankensteins. There's a million different Draculas. There's a million different Wolfman. Wolfmen. Wolfmans. Uh, Wolfmans. <laughs> wolf people. But there's really only one version of the creature of the Black Lagoon. Two if you count uh, um, the Monster Squad, which, of course, we do. But there's really only... Well, I mean, and there, have been, there have been other, like, kind of, like, incarnations of Gilmen-esque type characters. The closest I've seen is the Little Mermaid. Well, I was going to say uh, Guillermo del Toro's Shape of Water amphibious character. Oh, and, and the one I brought up on that show at that point, Abe Sapien. So, I guess... Um, well, no, Guillermo del Toro actually said that the character and the whole story is based off of the creature from the Black Lagoon and him wanting to see the creature actually succeed with his romance with the leading lady. Yes. Um, you know, providing a providing a different spin on the story, which I think was very well done. So I guess you would uh, definitely say, like, if you go back to the South Park episode... She enjoys fish sticks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so you have a uh, a topic of conversation to start I off do. Today. So for our getting into character topic today, because we have spent so much time talking about universal monsters, we are going to delve into what other non-universal monsters we enjoy. Yeah, and there's a... a gigantic list there are so many monsters out there there are um some of them human yeah um but some of them in the white house yeah but we don't enjoy those ones 
I don't want to see any movies about them. Those are not my favorite. No. So, so Patsy, what are some of your favorite non-universal monsters? Well, I mean, growing up, I was a big fan of, of you know, giant monster movies. So, obviously, Godzilla's right at the top of that list. King Kong. Um, I remember watching all the different versions. Well, at the time, there was only, you know, the, the 1933 and the 1976 version. But then there were, you know, like Mighty Joe Young and the uh, not very great... King Kong Lives with uh, Linda Hamilton where it turns out it's a direct sequel to the 1933 Kong came out in the 80s sometime and uh, it turns out King Kong had lived and needed a blood transfusion but where are they going to get a blood transfusion oh don't worry Linda Hamilton also happens to have a giant ape so it just happened to work out so well um, I don't remember anything other than that. I might have seen this movie 30 plus years ago, so I don't recall it. I, I may have to track this down and watch it again. But, um, I mean, obviously everybody from the Monster Squad, um, Michael Jackson and Thriller, all the, the dancing zombies, uh, you know, those are some of my favorite monsters and really my introduction into the horror genre. So, uh, what about you? So, I love kaiju. I think that the creation of kaiju is very imaginative and creative. Uh, specifically, Gamera. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I just no. I know why. Uh, it's because of the Mystery Science Theater three thousand episodes of of Gamera. Gamera is really, really neat. Gamera is filled with meat. We all love you, Gamera. Um. And I believe that we have a Gamera episode coming up in Two a couple weeks. of weeks. Two weeks. So that's really exciting. And we have a special guest coming on to talk about Gamera with us. Very excited about that. Um, I do also love Godzilla. I love the concept of Godzilla. Uh, the most recent Godzilla movie I thought was excellent. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to the next film, which is coming out, what, next year? Yeah, I think we may have to revisit... Uh, Godzilla. Because we did... Godzilla with well, the because, very first you know, episode. Right. And since and then... you weren't on there. Yeah, I was not. And since then, we also acquired Shin Godzilla. Yep. And the Godzilla Netflix series. Yeah, I've watched that. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I'm, wa- I'm waiting to watch the second half when I have a chance to actually focus on TV and read subtitles. Um, but also, uh, I think I've made it clear on the show... I love Muppets, mm-hmm. and Muppets are monsters. You have, like, Telly Monster. Harry Monster. Harry Monster. You have Sweetums. Cookie Monster. Who is a monster, the Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster. You also have Jim Henson's Creature Shop. So you have, like, the Skeksis from um, Dark Crystal, Dark which Crystal. I just rewatched a few days ago. You also have Ludo from The Labyrinth. Yep, he sings to rocks. I love. Um, I'm trying to think of who who else do I well, like I mean, the those... the yip yip guys. The weird fucking dudes that throw their heads around in the labyrinth. Oh my god! Yes, 
which we actually had the opportunity to see some of the puppets at was it Rhode Island? Con- no, it was Connecticut. Connecticut, right? Because I remember the Connecticut uh, Comic Con earlier well. this year. So that was really cool. Yeah, they had a couple of the labyrinth puppets there, and that was really spectacular to see. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Oh, Fraggles. Fraggles are technically monsters. Yeah, I mean, they they can be benevolent monsters. They don't all have to be bad. I mean, you know, just... Be- I love the Fraggles. We have to do a Fraggles episode. We will. We have we a have Fraggles to. poster we hanging in our We have to dance bedroom. our cares away. Like, we seriously, we have a... For another day. We have a Let Fraggles poster hanging. Don it's Fraggle, it's right? got, what's his name? Gobo and Mopey and Red and Gonzo and... Not, not, not quite. Close, close. Not quite. Not, not quite. Curly and not chef. quite. Um, also on the Muppet tract, I love Eureka's Castle. Growing up, did you ever see that, Patsy? Yeah, yeah Eureka's Castle, and she had the Eureka's purple dragon. Castle. It wasn't a purple dragon. There was a dragon. There was, there was his name is Magellan. He's a green dragon. He's not purple. Oh, I'm thinking of Figment, the green, the purple dragon. Then. I don't know. I know. I know. Yeah. Eureka's Castle. She was blonde and she had horns. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised you talking about Muppets and talking about monsters. You didn't mention animal. Animal. Woman. I love animal. Yeah. Like. Oh, my favorite. Oh, but my favorite monster. My favorite monster is Wally the green monster. He shakes his junk. In lieu of in, in light of the Red Sox winning the World Series. Yep. I'm so exciting. I was so excited. That was a crazy game. I watched every goddamn second of that 18-inning game. I was so tight. So some folks might not be aware. I had a, a really bad nosebleed. Oh, my God. And as bad as, like, I, it lasted for about two hours. I lost about a pint or more of blood. Uh, and it wouldn't stop. That was last Wednesday night. And then Thursday morning, it happened again. Uh, for about 45 minutes, and then it happened again at work, and we went to urgent care, and I got my nose cauterized. The inside of my right nostril got cauterized. Uh, so I've been, I was just, I was exhausted. We lead such an exciting life. <laughs> I was, I was just exhausted because blood. I had no blood left. Blood. Half my brains leaked out, so now I'm only as smart as Raven Shadow. Then... All I wanted to do Friday after work, I was like, I should have called out of work. But I went into work. Yeah, somebody told you to call out. Yeah. And you were like, no, I don't think so. And then you get into work and you're like, oh, man, I should have called out. And well, I'm like, I should slap at, you. In the morning, I felt, I was like, all right, you know, I'm a little tired, but I can I can do this. I can go to work. So I went to work because I went home. We went home after uh, after the urgent care went to urgent care went home i took a nap for about three hours and then went to sleep at a decent time and slept through the night normally if i take a nap at like four o'clock i'm up until 4 a.m you know i'm not going to get to sleep but i was so exhausted and friday night i was so freaking exhausted all i wanted to do was sleep i came home and i went right into my recliner and i'm like i'll watch the socks you know they'll be over and i'll go to sleep nope 2 30 in the morning you came in because you thought something was wrong? Yeah, I'd actually fallen asleep after the ninth inning. I didn't mean to, but, you know, stuff happens. And, yeah, I saw the light on in your room, so I thought that... Well, I heard the game, too, but I thought maybe you were, you were watching, like, a replay or something, and I was going to check the score and check in on you to see 
how you were doing and i was like are you okay what's going on and you're like yeah it's the 15th inning and i was like what it was yeah it was the 15th inning it was uh it was crazy oh crap super crazy oh but yeah so going back to what i was saying uh wally the green monster is my favorite monster and when i go to red sox games one of my favorite things to do is to spy on wally and he does fun stuff he plays with the fans in the stands and he likes to dance or as i call it shake his junk because he's a little tubby guy and uh when he dances he kind of you know moves back and forth and everything kind of shifts a little bit he's a jolly green giant guy i was saying jolly green giant he is pretty um, big oh he's not he's not a giant though but he's a jolly green giant wow wow don't drink in podcasts ladies and gentlemen Ugh. um but anyways this past season, uh, the game that I went to back in October, July. Did I go in July? I forget when I went. It was either um, July or August. But anyways, we actually, uh, on our way to our seats, walked past Wally, who was uh, he has people with him because I'm assuming it's probably they're a little handlers difficult. because like he, he yeah. gets away. They're afraid he might bite someone. He is he 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 is a feral beast. So, like, they have to, they are armed with tranquilizers. But anyways, we walked past Wally, and I was like, oh, my God, Wally, can I have a hug? And he shook his head yes, and I got to hug Wally the green monster, and that's one of the happiest days of my life. Yes, I remember you uh, You called me and told me, and I could barely hear you over the the roar of the crowd. Yeah, they were all really excited that I hugged Wally the green yes. monster, too. I yeah, everyone, so. everyone was like, oh, my God, she finally did it. No, uh, Wolfie, do you have any... Uh favorite monsters you'd care to uh to talk about maybe uh from some of the horror movies you've seen the last few years or maybe when you were a kid uh well obviously i wasn't prepared to talk about favorite monsters but hmm. this this it's not necessarily a deep cut but it's um the first thing came to mind was one of my favorite movies from i can't remember if it was 2016 or 2017 i i forget actually but it was a Korean movie called The Wailing. Ooh. And it has one of the... There, there is sort of a monster. I don't want to say too much. Um, mm-hmm. But there is a, an exorcism scene in it that is uh, one of the coolest exorcism scenes I've ever seen. And the monster itself is... Uh, how do I... How do you, Try to, I guess, sort of out of sight, like you don't necessarily see a monster, like off screenish type. Well, inhabiting someone maybe. Okay. <laughs> so you don't you you don't see like that. It's you know it looks n- normal. Um, so that that's one of my favorites of the last few years, and I guess another one too. I guess I'm going to go with another Korean movie is The Host. Have you guys seen The Host? I've not. the The Wailing is on my list, but I know the monster you're talking about from The Host. Yeah, Mr. Fish Monster Man. Yeah, that, that's a that's incredible movie. Yeah, it's it's on my list, but again, it's one of those like I need to wait to have time that I can actually focus on a film and watch with subtitles. I think the last oh, one I, I did. I, I maybe I'm just so used to it, but I I don't I don't necessarily. You can't watch it at two a.m. That's for sure. No, but it's it just it just plays so easily for me nowadays i, oh, no, I don't I have, even really notice it i have no issues with with subtitles i just have to be like in a state of mind where like i can f- you know sit there and read you know read the subtitles mm-hmm. as opposed to like okay this is just on and i'm like sort of 
dozing in and out because I'm very tired. But uh, we do have a, a before we get it before we take our break and get into our main discussion. I do want to let folks know that if you are attending Rhode Island Comic Con this weekend, uh, Ashes and I will be there. And uh, you have something special you're doing this weekend? Uh, maybe. Uh, you have maybe a little uh, something that's that's happening, maybe a, a meet and photo op that you yeah, have? I might, be, I might be doing a little meeting and greeting of someone. Um, no, I, I have the opportunity to uh, meet Tim Curry, yeah. which is like a bucket list thing. I'm so excited, and I'm sure you will see pictures and yeah i plan on i'm really excited like really excited like i plan on taking your picture right after you meet with him because i don't know like if you've you've hung out with ashes if you know her she's very calm and cool and collected when she met samantha newark for the first time the first time she was like oh my god you know they had a nice conversation and everything was great and then like we left the event and we got into the car and she was like, Oh my God, I met Samantha Newark. And she was just like out of her mind. Like, and I'm pretty sure that this is how it's going to be with Tim Curry. Oh, probably, probably. No, I mean, I'm, I'm a fangirl at heart. I've always have been and always will be. I've just gotten better at composing myself in the moment as to not turn off the person I am meeting and to make the most of that moment because I've, you know, over the years have realized that, you know, if you stay composed, you have the opportunity to have a decent conversation and can have an interaction that will carry on with you, you know, for the rest of your life versus if you sit there and you're like, oh my God, I love you so much. You know, they usually spend most of their time saying thank you so much and trying to calm you down a little bit. So, you know, it kind of takes away. It's almost like a, a, not saying that if you do that, that's horrible. If you do that, that's great. It's a genuine emotion. And I'm sure everyone like appreciates that. I hope someone is excited to meet me like that someday. Um, I was, but <laughs> you're a real girl. Um, <laughs> you have no idea. Um, but I, I just feel that you know, in for me personally, that putting my emotions aside for a moment and trying to really capitalize on that situation, I just, I get more out of it. You know, being able to have a conversation with someone, uh, regardless of how brief it may be. And, you know, they say never meet your heroes, but sometimes it's not all bad. Yeah. You know, meeting Samantha Newark. And then we had her on the show. I had the opportunity to interview her. Um, And then we also had the opportunity to interview her at Rhode Island Comic Con last year uh, for the website you write for. And again, such a lovely person. Like every interaction I've had with her has just been glorious. And she's so bubbly and just everything that you want her to be like, that's what she is and and more because she's real. Um, So I'm I'm very eager to meet Mr. Curry and I'm sure I will have a short story a story to share at some point yeah and you know if you you plan on being there let us know because we're always interviewing folks that you know go to the con and so it would be nice to uh 
Yeah, if you're going to be in at Rhode Island, just like hit us up. Send us a message on either the Facebook page or the Twitters or whatever. Or if you're connected um, to us on social media, send us a message that way. Yeah, we'll hang out. It'll be fun. So I think with uh, that being said, we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. And uh, I hope you enjoy our conversation. We'll be right back. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you <laughs> took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action, it had suspense, it had great characters, it had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci, douchebags. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created F is for Family. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. Hello again, everyone. It's Mr. Most Days Off from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show, here with a special message for you from Richie the WizKid. You know, a town without Best Darn Diddly is a little like the mule with the spinning wheel. No one knows how he got it, and danged if he knows how to use it. The name's WizKid, Richie the WizKid, and I come before you good fans of Springfield with probably the greatest podcast. Uh, it's not for you. It's more of a Shelbyville podcast. Now, you wait here just a minute. We're twice as smart as the people of Shelbyville. You tell us where to listen to Best Darn Diddly and we'll listen. I'll tell you exactly where you can listen to it. You can catch the Best Darn Diddly Review Show each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. So hop on the monorail and join us on this journey through the Simpsons series. And we are back. And uh, I know Wolfie doesn't know this, but he uh, kind of just gave you guys a preview for uh, some upcoming episodes. Because not only will we have uh, Miles, Mr. Most Days Off, coming back, we also have Mike Price returning in a couple of weeks. And uh, we're going to be talking about some, uh, some uh, F is for family, because that show is coming back in uh, just a few weeks, so I'm very excited to uh, to talk about that with those guys. But that's in a couple of weeks. Today, we are talking about the creature from the Black Lagoon, and I'm going to go out there, and you know, I think I mentioned this when we did our Rock and Shock episode, and we were interviewing folks, mentioned that we had, ne- well, at least I know I had never seen the film before. 
the 1954 uh, film with uh, Rico Browning and Ben Chapman and uh, Julie Adams as the damsel in distress. Um, how about you, Ashes? Had you seen it before? I had seen bits and pieces of it. So when I was in high school, I think it was my senior year, I took a mass media course, which was amazing. So not only did we get to delve into all different types of media, um, I was also a, I was a morning news anchor. I gave you the news every morning live from Murdoch High School. Um, but we also did a film series and touched base on several different kind of like keystone films throughout cinematic history we did silent film um we did film with subtitles uh, or, or foreign film uh and we also did a lot of like classic black and white films leading up into you know more recent stuff and so I had seen bits and pieces of some of these universal monster films because there are just too many for a class, you know, uh, a, a course load. Like I said, this was high school. You could do it all. You could do Yeah, that. you could do a whole like college course semester Master's on, thesis. you know, these universal monster films. Uh, but we did see bits and pieces of certain films and this was one of them. Now, what was your like? Like I said, this is the first time I had seen it. Uh, I was only familiar with with the creature due to. Um, I mean, I knew who he was. I mean, it's one of those cultural things where you know who the creature from the Black Lagoon is. You've seen pictures. You've seen parodies. Uh, but also, I had saw the, uh, the a version of him. I had seen a version of him in the Monster Squad, which I've seen a thousand times. But it doesn't really give you much of the backstory. Like in this movie, he's just this malevolent force that's, uh, you know, the thrall of Dracula, mm-hmm. which doesn't really give you much of the depth of character for him because he wasn't the focal point. Uh, the only real thing was, you creature stole my Twinkie. <laughs> Fucking Eugene. Um well, what was your your impression? Like, actually sitting down, watching the film, what do you think? So, at a first full watch, I thought that the creature design was very interesting. And I'm sure we're going to delve into that a little bit more later in this discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that I definitely want to talk about. But the creature design, I thought, was just spectacular. And being a later film, so most of these other Universal Monster films came out in the mid, you know, in the 30s and 40s. This one came out Mostly, in 1954. Yeah. So you know, there's a little bit more uh, out there in as far as creature design goes. They they could do more, but um, just the overall appearance was. It really sticks with you. Yeah. Um, especially when you consider... And it's so iconic, too. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I knew who the creature from the Black Lagoon was, even though I'd never seen the movie. Right. You know, it's just one of those things, the universal monsters. Uh, and one that we didn't get a chance to touch on, you know, we still know who about, who that, you know, the Invisible Man. You know, I knew who the Invisible Man was, even though I didn't see it. Huh, see what I did there? Uh-huh. Uh, but 
it's an iconic thing, and especially when you think now they it turns out that they put more thought into the design of this creature suit than they did for the sequels that came along. So the creature actually had two actors. When it was on land, it was Ben Chapman. When it was in the water swimming around, it was professional swimmer Rico Browning, who would have to hold his breath for up to four minutes at a time while they got the shot that they needed. The other thing that they wanted to make sure is there was no no bubbles would come out of this because they're like, you know, he's got gills, you know, he's a, he's a fish man, so there wouldn't be bubbles coming up out of the suit. So they designed it in a way so that bubbles wouldn't come up out of the suit and he would just have to hold his breath. Right, there, there wasn't an air tank in the suit and because the creature is an amphibious creature, they wanted to make use of gills and if gills are in play, you don't see those air bubbles. Right. You know, you generally don't see that from fish. Yeah, so they were going around. for, you know, authenticity. And yes. luckily they found someone who could hold their breath for, and uh, I think four minutes is a pretty, ex- seeing as I can only hold mine for maybe like, I don't know, 30 seconds. The world record like, is 13 minutes and change. Like That's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, a- after four minutes, like your brain cells start to die, like, and you start to black out. So the fact that he was able to do this willingly you know, while acting and, you know, giving a real air of menace to this creature. Like, the thing with these guys, it's with both Browning and Chapman, you know, you don't have the luxury of, say, like, while Boris Karloff, you know, wore heavy makeup in both The Mummy and Frankenstein, he had the ability to use his eyes and his facial features to convey emotion, whereas neither Browning nor Chapman had that ability because their not only was his, their faces completely covered, there was only like a very tiny little opening where they were able to see out, and that actually led to an urban legend where the creature is carrying uh, Julie Adams' character, Kay Lawrence, into his cave, you know, for years, people were like, oh, you know, he accidentally knocked her unconscious because he banged her head into a rock that was part of the set. And, you know, she later debunked this rumor. She's like, no, I kind of scraped my head. But, you know, the the whole reasoning was she had to keep her eyes closed and Ben Chapman literally could not see through the suit. You know, imagine like, you know, uh squinting as hard as you can and then trying to make your way through, you know, a maze. Right. The eyes were a fixture of the costume itself. And um, both actors tried to convey this character as menacing as possible, um, you know, in their movements and whatnot, because they really couldn't achieve that as far as facial expressions go. Right, you couldn't um, get that look like Karloff right. had. So the costume had a squeeze bulb built into the arm that allowed for a slight movement of the gills. And if the whoever was in the suit at the time, um, the actor moved his chin up, he could partially open the creature's mouth. But that's about it. Yeah, because he, 
you know, it, towards the end, the creature did make some vocalizations. Yes. And I look at this character much the way I look at uh, some of the other characters as a... He's he's a sympathetic creature in that, you know, he didn't choose to be what he is. But at the same time, I think because he is... Uh, an animal, essentially, like he's not a human. He is a a beast of nature. He's essentially just defending himself from... Right. He's the last of his kind, so it's ultimately just self-preservation. And it's weird because the whole thing kicks off because they find... Uh, the scientist finds a preserved arm in the rocks. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, let's, you know, see if we can find the rest of the skeleton because this could be the find of, you know, you know, a lifetime, you know, a missing link, you know, some kind of Devonian era, you know, creature that no one's ever seen before. And, you know, we see the that there's actually living versions of this creature. And this is shortly after, you know, and it's brought up uh there's one one species that's brought up like, oh, we thought it was extinct, but we found one living in the Amazon. Uh, and this is shortly after the coelacanth, which was supposedly, you know, uh, extinct for millions and millions of years. A Japanese fisherman pulled one up in his boat in, I think it was 1932. And I was like, oh, well, I guess they're not. So, you know, a lot of these advances in science... Um, really fueled some of these films. I mean, where Dracula and Frankenstein were based on legend, you know, you have The Mummy, you know, this this movie came out shortly after, uh, 10 years after Howard Carter and his team unearthed the, the tomb of Tutankhamun. You know, and then you have, you know, the Amazon, where, you know, they even discuss, like, we don't know, we really don't know much about the world's waterways, and especially the Amazon, where even today, you know, 65 years later, we still don't know that much about it because there's so many things. There's species that are being discovered all the time. Like there's weather patterns and things that we don't understand. Like Right. And that's why movies, I was going to mention that. That's why ocean movies are so uh, impactful. You know, that's why movies like the past summer blockbuster the meg and megalodon works so well is because mm-hmm. it's working upon people's fear fear of the unknown we do not know our our earth is like 70 percent ocean 70 yeah. percent water we yeah. have only really discovered what five oh five i was gonna say ten five percent five percent we've explored five percent um, of the ocean you know, so there's so much out there we don't know. And fear of the unknown, like, that is the number one fear of people. Mm-hmm. We know more about you know? space than we know about our own ocean. And so playing upon these potential creatures. Now, I, uh, of course, like, megalodons were real. We do have fossils and whatnot confirming that. But still, like, you know, we don't know a lot about them. So it's almost like you you take what's real and kind of create a creature based upon that. Um, so it's part real, part myth. Um, but still, like, it's these these creatures that are just so fearful because... 
we don't know. Fearsome. Yeah, there's there's um I think this is also during the the big craze of the like the radiation monster craze where it's like, you know, the fly had just come out and you know, films like that where like these these human hybrids it's like, okay, we've done werewolves, we've done flies, like what else can we do? So that's that's also part of it. But no, like you're you're right. Like there's and like the 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 director of the film whose name is escaping me even said like you know you're out and you're swimming like say you're swimming in a pond or a lake and something brushes your leg or you're out in the ocean something touches your leg and you can't see what it is like you don't know what it is and your mind starts racing and it's you know it could be is it a barracuda is it a goldfish like what is it like is it something that you've never seen before and we see this in the film is uh um uh, Kay Lawrence uh, Julie Adams' character is is going for a nice, relaxing swim. It's a great shot because it's underwater, and we see uh, Rico Browning swimming underneath of her, and like ever so gently, like touching her foot or touching her leg, and she starts to get freaked out, thinking is you know maybe it's just a little fish. And one of the things that I I noticed, and I. Uh, I pointed this out when we watched it was this film uh, is a clear heavy influence uh, to Jaws not just the overall theme of like something lurking under the water but the music right this the score is very similar to the score that appears in Jaws yeah I mean John Williams obviously you know was inspired by this but you know turned it into something much different and certainly his own mm-hmm. but you can you know watching this you know you can you can definitely see even i think peter benchley was uh, inspired by this because you have you know the one character dave who's just like let's go find it and kill it and we don't you know we'll bring it back dead it doesn't matter you know as long as we bring it back it, it doesn't matter if it's dead or alive then you have the other guy that's like no let's leave let's come back uh mark mm-hmm. let's leave let's come back with reinforcements you know, which is Quentin Brody. Like, that's, I mean, that's who it is. It's Quentin Brody. Like, we're going to kill this thing. No, let's go get reinforcement. You're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, by the way, uh, just to point out real quick, Megalodon now available on VOD and streaming services. So make sure you go check oh, that I, out. I thought you were going to mention how I make a very sexy Quint. Oh, well, that's obvious, too. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen the pictures from either Rock and Shock or the uh, dead eyed show at the cove uh yeah we uh we our couple's costume i was jaws she was quint and uh it was sexy so uh, we'll post some of those pictures in the in the uh facebook group but yeah like this film um you know it's the one thing that i think it really suffered from is like the same thing that a lot of these universal films suffered from where there's a whole lot of buildup and very little payoff at the end. It's like, like a lot of buildup and like, there's a lot of conflict and you know, the tension is ratcheted up and you have all these things happening. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, it's over credits. It's like, wait, wait, what? You know, it's like the final 
the final confrontation lasts 30 to 40 seconds and then it's just over. You know, it's, I don't want to say disappointing, but it's like, it's less of a slow burn than a quick burn. Well, again, um, and we touched base on this a couple of episodes ago, we're so conditioned to these longer movies with all of these, uh, you know, exposition and character development and, you know, sometimes just fluff and, uh, you know, sometimes it's action sequences and way too much CGI, but, but that's what we're used to now. And when these movies were released, like that was, that was the norm. You know, right. so so watch. I'm sure if we had seen these movies in real time, we would have a d- different opinion of it than seeing them now. Well, it's also different. Where you know, one of the things that I that I think is like it's fine. Like I get what you're saying, but it's like normally you'll see like okay, the monsters defeated, and then you see what happens to the main characters afterwards. Now it's like. The monster's defeated, and that's it. Credits roll. Well, and even then, the monster was defeated. Like, they left it very open-ended. Yeah, very ambiguous endings. And, you know, come to find... They had a a sequel in mind already Mm -hmm. for it. So, you know, and come to find out, uh, you see how resilient the creature is. You know, he has extremely tough scaly skin and it is combined with fast a fast acting healing factor um which allows it to survive like the gun wounds and all of these i mean they shot him like 35 goddamn times like dude hit him in the head with a rock like clubbed him with a pipe he got shot twice with a friggin' spear gun (laughs) and that was like before the final confrontation and he was still like you know, messing fools up. But by making his biology that, um, you know, it, they set the character up for longevity. Yes. Which is smart. So, you know, he's not, he's not like immortal. No, he's not like he's, a Michael Myers unkillable he's thing. He's not this like fantasy creature. He's not uh, paranormal. Like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a legit creature. And he will eventually suffer mortality. But, you know, in order to put the character in peril and have this character survive peril, because let's face it, like he's an amphibious water sea creature. You know, he's not going to have guns. He's not going to have weapons. No, you have He's to, just going to have himself. You have to have, if you set him up as like this unstoppable, invincible killing machine, you have to have some way of the heroes being able to defeat him. You know, it's the same thing that I always get mad about when it's you have an unkillable hero. You know, it's like, okay, you know, like the the thing that gets used all the time, the example that's used all the time is Vin Diesel in the Fast and Furious movies. Like all these guys survive like these ridiculous car crashes. You know, it's like, oh, my car rolled down a cliffside and exploded, but I'm okay. It's like, well, then if you can survive that, you're never in any danger. And the same goes for the villains. Like if you are... If I can shoot you and stab you and and set you on fire and nothing happens, well, 
what's the point of going up against you? Like, there's no real conflict. Right. So even though the creature possesses superhuman strength and has, like, the large webbed hands with the sharp claws that we see him grab people with, yep. um, you know, and we already talked about his, his resilience as far as his skin and being able to heal himself quickly, um, he's still has like a, a human quality about him. Yes. So he's not impenetrable. You can hurt him. He just, and, and this is true for some animals too. Some animals, it, it's a, a, almost like a flight or fight response. It's evolution. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the ability to react to certain situations and protect themselves. And again, just going into self-preservation, you know, a, a lot of animals, um, have the ability to bounce back from things that humans don't, you know, like yeah, certain things certain that skin types and certain things that uh, affect animals don't always, or that affect humans don't always affect uh, animals. Like I think it's something like owls can't be killed by arsenic or something. Like they have no no reaction to it. Well, like fish can't be killed by bleach. Right. But they can be killed by dish soap. Yeah. You know? It's, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's just, it's it's biology. So instead of making him, like, you know, the creature just completely out of reach, you know, they, they give him animal-like qualities, uh, which are believable, but he also has a lot, of, a lot of human-like qualities as well. And you see that, especially with the female lead, um, where she's Juliana. not after him in a malicious way the way that some of the other characters are and he gravitates toward that towards that yeah and i think one of the the one of the biggest things is you know you have a character who is he's essentially just trying to defend his territory and you know, like you said, he's the last of his his kind. Well, it's like you come to my house. You came to his house. He's just defending himself. Well, not just that. It's, you know, he's also, like you said, the last of his kind. So what are two two of the primal urges, you know, to eat, to preserve yourself, and to propagate your species? I mean, I don't know how that would work with their uh, mismatched physiology but you know it seemed like he was willing to give it give it a shot but i mean that's i think that's just another trope of those types of movies where it's just uh you know there's always got to be the the damsel in distress there's always got to be the woman that gets carried away by the monster and has to be rescued and you know it's it's just a trope, especially of those, you know, universal movies, even in, you know, like King Kong, it was the same thing. You know, it, there's no real reason for it, but, you know, the plot says it has to happen, so it has to happen. So what was your, your initial, like, when we, we first decided we were going to cover this, like, what was your initial thought, like, were you like, okay, great, you know, we finally get a chance to see this movie? Or were you just like, you know, this is going to be no different from any other uh, universal monster? Well, it was a combination of both. 
so the creature from the Black Lagoon, the Gill Man, uh, is the universal monster that I know the least about. So, I mean, obviously, with his iconic look, you can pick him out of a crowd without having seen the movie. But I really didn't know much about the character aside from appearances. So, uh, again, you know, having seen bits and pieces of the movie here and there, but that wasn't really enough to put together an opinion about the character. Uh, So I was, you know, it's partially, partially like homework, you know, when, when you have to do research, when you have to do your homework and stuff, but it was also, also partial intrigue. You know, I was very uh, eager to check this character out and just learn more. Yeah. I was the same way. Like it was one of those, like I've never, I've never seen it. And again, the only, what? I was going to say, and going around and talking to people at Rock and Shock about their favorite Universal monster, I didn't realize how many people actually enjoyed the creature. Yeah, and you know, it, it kind of makes me, you know, kick myself for kind of putting off seeing these films for so long because I really do enjoy them, and I'm I'm really happy that we decided to, you know take take this opportunity to talk about these characters because that's you know one of the things that the show is all about is you know discovering characters that maybe you don't know much about or maybe you have a preconceived notion about a certain character and then you learn about them and then it's like okay now I can form an actual educated opinion you know I can have these conversations with people right and unlike the other universal monsters the creature is not involved in a lot of movies there there aren't a lot of sequels and uh, other movies where this character is involved in so you kind of almost have like a preconceived notion going into it that oh maybe this character isn't that great or you know because you've seen so many incarnations of Dracula and Frankenstein and the mummy and the Wolfman already that, you know, you, you sit there and wonder, well, why hasn't there been any other incarnations of the creature? I think, you know, and granted there, there have been a couple, but there haven't really been a lot, not, not in as numerous in comparison to the other ones. I think it's because it's, it's harder to really create a compelling story around a monster to uh, create one as far as, uh, you know, like Frankenstein. Because with a Frankenstein or a Dracula, people already know that backstory. They know, you know, all about them. So they don't really have to, you don't have to spend much time you know, with the the exposition as to who it is, why it's there, what it's motivated by, uh, you can just get into the story with all the with all these other characters. You know, the Wolfman, and to be honest, um, they lend themselves to uh, more diverse areas where they can stalk their victims. You know. You know, it could be the woods. It could be, you know, look at American Werewolf in London. Look at, uh, you know, Blade. You know, there's all kinds of different areas where vampires and, and, and other monsters can hunt people. You know, like the Underworld series, you know, it could be a big city or it could be a, a remote Scottish moor. But 
with the Gill Man, you're kind of pigeonholed into one specific. Like you have to be near water all the time, and those movies tend to be very, very similar. You know what I mean? Like you know any of these these water monster attack movies, especially with a slow moving monster like the Gill Man. I know it's easier to make a, a werewolf or 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 a, a Dracula. You know this fast moving, quick ferocious you know beast that can get in get involved with these awesome action scenes where you know like in van helsing where they're leaping great distances or having these you know big cgi fight scenes it's harder with a fish man you know what i'm saying well again i thought shape of water did a really great job with that yeah it it did but there really wasn't much conflict between the monster like no one was fighting the monster it was more like a a a heist film you know what i'm saying i'm just i'm just trying to come up with reasons why because obviously it can be done guillermo did a great job of it you know there it can be done it just doesn't seem like people wanted to put in all the effort to create a compelling story with that character when it's so much easier to use. Now, with the popular... I mean, Shape of Water went on to win Academy Awards. Do you think that they will I know it's to... I know it's, it's scheduled to be part of the Dark Universe if that does continue because we we see the arm... Of the Gill Man in Doctor Jekyll's office during the uh, the initial meeting between Tom Cruise's character and Russell Crowe's Doctor Jekyll, so we know that it's coming out there. I think, uh, and I believe our buddy Derek Rook made a great point. I believe it's a rights issue, like you know where Dracula and Frankenstein are now part of the public domain because they've been around for so long. You know, their creators, Bram Stoker and Mary Shelley, uh, no longer hold the rights to them. Uh, it's a lot easier to use those characters and kind of shape them to your 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 liking because you don't have to pay royalties because they're not original creations of Universal. Universal uses Same with uh, The Invisible Man, which is why we've seen so many different versions of The Invisible Man. Because oh, hey, H- Kevin Bacon. Because that's H.G. Wells. So, Or haven't seen, as you said, Patrick. Oh, yeah. Do, do you guys mind if I say something no, uh, real oh, quick? Absolutely. I just wanted to pipe in. Because um, I, I didn't want to interrupt in case you guys mentioned this. I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. But uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, but the, but the creator of the Creature from the Black Lagoon, it was uh, a woman named Millicent Patrick. And she was the first ever. She was the first and only woman to create one of the universal, um, or, or I guess in this case, one of Hollywood's classic movie monsters. And someone I know, I wouldn't say they're a good friend, but someone who is a fellow podcaster back in the day, who's now a film producer, uh, has has wrote a book about her. It's called "The Lady from the Black Lagoon," and it's by uh, Mallory O'Mara, and it's all about sort of her journey 
uh, Millicent Patrick and how she didn't get credit for creating the creature. Uh, so I think it's pretty interesting and, and I thought that it was worth mentioning. No, it definitely is. Um, and I saw that you had that up on one of your screens. So I, I just wanted, yeah, I, I knew about the book. I just wanted to, I didn't remember the, uh, Millicent Patrick's full name and I just wanted to make sure I got all the info right. So, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, cause that's definitely a, a major point. And we're going to talk a little bit more about, uh, in next week's episode about how women were viewed in the, uh, universal universe. Because like I said, there always has to be a damsel in distress and, you know, someone's going to come along and save them. And it doesn't matter if they're strong, independent women. It, they're always, yeah, there's a, yeah, we'll talk about it next week. And just a side note, I thought the book might have been available because I saw her promoting it, but it looks like it's not available to till March 5th, 2019. Oh, you wow. can pre-order it now, but, but yeah. All right, yeah, so definitely check that out if you're interested in in any of uh in any of the stuff we talked about today because it's very interesting. I I looked into a little bit of the story of how you know, she came up with the idea and what ended up happening to the original costume and um it's an interesting story. But uh yeah, I'm sure that it's it's going to be it's going to be a very good read. Yeah, that sounds like one that's definitely worth picking up. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else we were we were talking about last night when when we watched the film, because it, there was there was a lot. Like there was some very good scenes. I think, uh, especially showcasing the I don't want to say limitations at the time, but like they took advantage of everything that they could like they pushed things to the limit like we said you know we had uh rico browning like you know just literally just holding his breath doing the scene there was a great story i heard where he had a uh he had a bathroom emergency but he was in full makeup so he just came up out of the water like near the shore and there was a mom and her kid like just like relaxing on the oh, beach hey. <laughs> and he like came up out of the water and they just like screamed and ran off and ran off and ran off. So it's like, okay, well, you know that the makeup works and that this is going to definitely horrify an audience. So, you know, well done on the, uh, on the makeup and the uh, costume design. So, I mean, it's one of those, you know, you would expect to see, You'd expect to see like a zipper or something, but you never see the zipper. You never see any of that stuff. You just see, uh, you know, just a well-crafted costume. So it defied kind of that that trope. So have you got uh, anything else that you want to add to the conversation? So doesn't look like it. Um, you're doing your, your coughing. So... I think on that, we'll take a uh, quick break. And when we come back, uh, we'll wrap things up. Fueled by tacos, beer, and Bloody Marys, the only show featuring baby Jesus with a nail gun, the pride of PA, and the show with the eye of the tiger, ladies and gentlemen, Punch Farm. Hey, this is Mark from Punch Farm. 
I'm here with Mark Dose. Hello. I'm here with Alicia. Hello. I'm here with Nikki. Hey. Join us every Monday as we talk about life, tacos, beer, and movies. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and PunchFarm.com. Keep on punching! <laughs> Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. Everybody, we are the Derailers, Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean, and you can join us once every week for a brand new derailment. It includes sidetracking, randomness, we just can't stay on topic. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Derailers. And please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Derailers! Patrick Rayhall, in the motherfucking house. And we are back. So, I hope you uh, found that to be an informative discussion on uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and if you haven't checked it out, maybe you're thinking of doing that now. Uh, it is on Amazon Prime if you have a Stars membership. Uh, I would recommend just uh, picking up the free trial if you're interested in watching it. You know, check it out, and if you like it, you know, just keep it. It's like eight bucks a month, something like that. Um, we're not sponsored by Amazon, but if Amazon wants to sponsor us, uh, we will take some Amazon dollars. Uh Anybody wants to sponsor us will take well not anybody but within reason. So, Ashes, we have some uh, some results. We do. We have a lot of battle results because we sort of kind of fucked up. Yeah, we dropped the ball, made an error. My friends are on second base trying to make it all the way home. Wait, no, that's a different movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But we, anyways, but but we we fixed our mistake. Mm-hmm. So we have results for three battles today. Yes. So, so wanna, do you want to share those with us? No, I want to keep them to myself. Okay. Okay. So it looks like you don't get to hear the battle results. Okay, bye. Okay. Well, you can't hear the battle results without music, right? Or is that only for introducing that's, battles? That's for introducing the oh, battles. All right. But, you know, I, I know what you were, uh, <laughs> what you were doing. 
so now we do have some battle results. So we asked you all. Uh, our first our first battle was called the countdown. Ha ha. Uh, we asked you who you felt was the better Dracula, and uh, no surprise, uh, Bella Lugosi won. Um, with just a high number of the majority of the votes. Yeah, I'm not surprised. That's not who I picked. Who did you pick? I picked Dunk, uh, Duncan Regeer. Well, you're kind of biased, though, because that's your favorite movie. It is my... It, like, well, well, it's, one of your favorite movies. But he's also my favorite depiction of Dracula. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. Bella Lugosi gave that classic stare and the bleh. You oh, know, my God. Like. We went over this. There's no <laughs> bleh. In, listen, in my world, in this movie theater, there was... So, but yeah, I have I have no problem with with uh, Bella winning it out. So our second battle was called Frankie's Finest, and we asked you all who was the better Frankenstein, and uh, no surprise here, Boris Karloff. Yeah, that I mean, again, that's not who I picked. I picked uh, Peter Boyle because Young Frankenstein just has a place in my heart very near and dear to me so that's why i picked uh peter boyle but again you can't be mad that that karloff won and last but certainly not least we had our mummy mania Mm -hmm. where we asked you all who was the better mummy and again boris karloff no surprise yeah karloff was uh who i voted for in this one so i uh i backed the uh, winning pony on one of them so Who'd you vote for? Uh, so for Dracula, I voted for Gary Oldman. I just love his portrayal and think it's a very interesting take on the character. For Frankenstein, I did vote for Boris Karloff. Okay. And for the mummy, I think I was the only one who voted for Sophia Botella. Yeah, I think so. I mean... Nothing wrong with that. I mean, Which, just... but I mean, like, I totally, nothing beats the originals, though. I get that. It's just, you know, sometimes you prefer a different portrayal for reasons. Um, yeah. But, you know, I ain't mad at it, so. No, that's fine. So. What do we have coming up? Well, next week, uh, so we have a we have a preview for a couple of weeks, <laughs> like I touched on earlier. Next week. Oh my God. Next week, I'm going to try not to die. We are going to be discussing uh, the final of our uh, cavalcade of creatures. And we're going to be discussing 1930-something or other's Wolfman with uh, not just Bela Lugosi. I mean, he has a cameo, but Bela Lugosi and Claude Rains, who were also other Universal monsters. But uh, this was the uh, the main the main film for Lon Chaney. Uh, this is kind of what made him his uh, like kind of brought him into the spotlight i, I was gonna say what are you trying to say like what are you trying to get at right now yeah so yeah we'll be talking about the wolfman um we'll be talking about a little bit of uh different wolf guys wolf gals and uh and i think uh the week after that we have our buddy miles coming back we're going to be discussing f is for family so if you want to do some homework and you want to uh Follow along with us. Watch F is for Family on Netflix. There's about 10 episodes, I believe. 
they're excellent animated. Uh, it's an excellent, excellent animated show. Uh, it's not for the kids because F is not just for family in this show. Uh, I will point out that the animation is highly detailed. But yeah, Miles is from the Best Darn Diddly podcast is going to join us and talk to us about uh, about F is for Family because the following week we're going to have the co-creator of F is for Family and writer for The Simpsons, returning guest Mike Price is going to join us. And uh, the following week he's going to be uh, on Miles and... Uh, and Richie's show, Best Darn Diddly. So he's uh, making the rounds of the podcasting world with somebody's network uh, talking up F is for family. So we're very excited for that. And uh, I think that's about it. So Come see us at Rhode Island Comic Con. Yes, come see us at Rhode Island Comic Con. And we will see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs>